It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So high right now, anything's possible. Oh my mama, oh my mama, baby, ma, anything's possible. Jay's back with the vengeance at all the real Celtics fans in attendance. This the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly. Podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Welcome back. This is the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. I'm John Corrales of MassLive.com. I'm your host. I want to apologize. Got a little bit of a sick voice going on, working through a cold. It's early, though. We're powering through. Talking about the Celtics' two preseason wins since our last podcast. Uh, we lasted the podcast Friday before they played the Orlando Magic. They won that game 100-75. to and they beat the Cleveland Cavaliers on Sunday, 118-72. couple of blowouts. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about uh, some of the roster moves that happened later on in the third segment. Taco Fall, Max Struess, uh, that contract situation, if you haven't heard, Struess was upgraded to a standard NBA contract. Taco Fall was given a two-way contract. I'll talk about that in a in the third segment, in the second segment, we'll talk about the bigs because it really starts to look like Daniel Tice is going to be the starter and some interesting comments from Brad Stevens about that in the second segment. But we'll start with a couple of notes from the the wins, the two wins. I want to start with Jalen Brown because I know I've been on this podcast saying that I don't think Jalen Brown's going to be more than a high-level role player which I still consider a compliment, but people take it as doubt or hating or whatever. But what Jalen Brown has been doing over the past couple of games has been pretty great. I mean, I'm really, I don't want to downplay it. I want to make sure that people understand. It's been really, really fun to see. In 15 minutes against the Cavaliers, uh, Jalen Brown shot four of seven. Had 10 points, 3 assists, 3 rebounds in how many minutes did he have? 23 minutes against Orlando, 5 of 8 shooting, 7 or 8 rebounds, a couple assists, a couple of steals, a block. He's been out there and really playing well. And I want to make sure that he gets the credit because if he keeps playing this well and, and plays like regular NBA season minutes, somewhere up around 30 whatever, 33 minutes per game that he gets. If he's playing this way, then, man, he, he's he's really going to start changing my mind about maybe what he can become. And, look, he's a young guy outperforming some people's expectations. That, that should be something that's possible. And if he proves me wrong, great, because that means instead of a high-level role player, then maybe, maybe Jalen Brown can be one of those three guys that does get a max contract. I remember laying this out for 
Tom Westerholm on a podcast. I've said it a couple of times. When you're laying out big money, you three max contracts, even if it's rookie maxes like it would be for Jalen Brown, you're looking at these guys as real centerpieces for your team's future. Uh, I would expect Jason Tatum to get one. Uh, Kimball Walker has gotten a max, a veteran max, so he's getting paid $30 million a year. If you're going to be paying $30 million to him, $20 million or so to Jason Tatum, and another $20 million to Jalen Brown, well, now you're looking at $70 million for three players, and those three players better be the guys that are going to get you to a championship or at least into championship contention. I feel like Jason Tatum has shown, especially this preseason, that he's got the skills to kind of be one of those guys. Uh, Kemba Walker obviously is a you came coming off a third third team All NBA selection, so he's got the ability to be one of those guys. And now, can Jalen Brown be one of those guys? Well, the past few games, it's only three preseason games. I'm not gonna overreact. I'm not gonna say yes, he can be, but he's showing that that path exists. And that's what I I like about this preseason, what he's showing. It's the variety of his drives, something that I've been harping on a lot. He's not just running in straight lines trying to dunk over everybody. He's really under control. Uh, That drive, when he he got a pass in Orlando, kind of went between the legs. That was an ad lib on the fly. And he never, I don't think he ever would have been able to pull that move off. But he did it. He stayed under control. He floated a shot up. It went in. I mean, it was really, really nice. It was, that's that's the type of body control that you're looking for out of a slasher like that because I've made this comparison a million times. I'm going to do it again right now. It's, it's that fastball in baseball that goes in a straight line. If it's got no movement, you can time it, and you got to add that movement so guys don't know exactly where it's going to go. Okay, so that's what Jalen Brown's doing. He's adding that movement. Little varied speeds, a little varied attack, little left hander, which is nice. So, shout out to Jalen Brown for really uh, adding to his game. And then, obviously, on the defensive end, he's doing well. He's playing bigger guys. The Celtics said, Brad Stevens said, that they're looking to uh, Jalen to guard bigger guys. And he's going to be doing that. And as Brad Stevens said after the game, we'll have him on the point guard sometimes in a game. And then later on, he'll be playing the four at some points in a game. So that type of versatility is super important. And so Jalen Brown, early returns uh, are opening up a path to him really showing that he can be more than maybe what I thought he could be. So we'll see how the season progresses. Obviously small sample size, but I like what I'm seeing. Uh, Tatum, kind of quiet, I think, in the uh, game against the Cavaliers, just two of nine, really didn't do much. Uh, but he was rebounding, I will say that. He rebounded very well, nine rebounds. Uh, he, I think, still attacked pretty well. He missed some shots that I think were very makeable. Uh, I think this game and the Orlando game, more of the types of attacking that we want to see out of him. Uh, same goes for Gordon Hayward, although I think Gordon Hayward kind of sort of took a game off a little bit against the Cavaliers. He really didn't do much at all. And he's he's going to be out there starting, but uh, he played 17 minutes. He only took three shots, a couple of free throws. He really didn't do a ton. Uh, but 
in the first couple of games, I've liked what I've seen out of Gordon Hayward. So I'm I'm just gonna say that he just kind of relaxed. It was a meaningless game. Uh, obviously for him, he kind of knows what he he needs to do. I don't need to see it every day in the preseason from him. So I'm willing to kind of chalk that up. Not a big deal. Uh, Tatum, same thing. I'm gonna chalk that up to not being a big deal for him. I like what I've seen out of Jason Tatum in in the preseason. One other thing that stood out to me in this game against the Cavaliers was I felt like that first half was kind of a precursor to the type of rotations we're going to see in the regular season. And I asked Brad about it after the game. He flat out said it, it wasn't quite the parallel that it felt like. Um, he He made it clear that he still feels like he's trying to experiment with the rotations, although I will say that it, it definitely felt very regular season in that first half. Uh, he only relied on a few guys. He didn't go very deep into the bench. We didn't see anybody like Grant Williams. We didn't see uh, a ton. Carson Edwards did play, though, which is interesting, but we didn't see Poirier. We didn't see a, a lot of these guys that have been getting minutes. He pretty much relied on a few guys, and so I as much as Brad says afterwards, I'm still mixing and matching. I still feel like that first half against Cleveland was was the biggest signal as to what Brad Stevens is going to do. Obviously, this team is not good enough to rely on just a small set lineup. There are going to be guys that get minutes that um, in one game that won't get minutes in another game. There are going to be guys that are relied on for certain things and certain matchups. So because the he has a lot of guys that have very specific skills and certain drawbacks that he's going to have to rely on these guys for different things in different games. And maybe some games they're going to get big minutes and some games they're not. But again, in the beginning of this Cleveland game, I thought that was kind of what the rotation was going to be moving forward, or at least the best indication of what that rotation was going to be. So that means Daniel Tice is the starter. And he's going to be starting around Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward. That seems to be kind of the group. And when the season is over, we'll probably look at that group probably getting the most minutes or at least the most starts together. So what does that mean? Well, let's take a break and come back and discuss what's going to happen with the bigs and the rotation. Stick around. More Locked On Celtics right after the break. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi, John. This is Lewis from Buenos Aires, Argentina. I think the biggest issue is uh, the big. How do you think they're going to resolve the big issues that they have, how it's going to play out. Who do you think they're finally going to go with? Thanks, Lewis, for using the voicemail line, 617-221-6010. I'm going to be sprinkling these voicemails in from time to time, uh, you know, in a different spot as I, you know, I've been usually doing them. You know, I have that little intro and I'll run through a bunch of those voicemails. I'll still do that, but every once in a while, I'll sprinkle them in to the regular uh, portions of the show just to introduce something. So shouts to Lewis from Buenos Aires for getting us into this conversation about the bigs. Daniel Tice seems to be the starter. And Brad Stevens has said basically that his familiarity with things really helps this team. And think about it. This team has depth at the wing. They have a lot of guys who can score at the wing. Their biggest weakness is the defense. Brad Stevens is trying to find a combination of guys that can defend well. So it's not the best indicator to say they defended well against Cleveland. Uh, it's not the best indicator to say they defended well against Orlando without Nick Vucevic. So those caveats exist. However, they did play a connected style of defense. They did communicate well. They were moving well in unison with one another. That's important. So if we're looking for reasons why Daniel Tice would start against uh, or over other guys. Well, Cantor coming off the bench seems to be something that Brad Stevens really likes. Uh, he likes running the offense through Cantor. He likes having a guy that can crash the boards on that second unit and take advantage of certain matchups. So Cantor as a guy who plays big minutes off the bench, 25 minutes or so, 30 maybe some days, but in that range, that's, that's pretty much how Brad's going to go. With that. So now that leaves three other guys Tice, Poirier, and Robert Williams. My feelings about Robert Williams haven't changed much. He has shown flashes. He has times where he is applying the fundamentals, but really early on against the Cavaliers, it looked terrible again. And he, whether it's he came out and made those mistakes and then has to be reminded again, like, no, make, slide, defensive slides. The, I mean, the most basic shit that I learned in high school, slap the floor, <laughs> arms out low, slide side to side. He gets caught too many times. Like in this game, he was turning his hips. And when you get a blow by and you turn your hips and chase, that guy changes direction. You've got to swivel your hips and turn and run the other direction as opposed to sliding 
which is just plant your foot and push in the other direction. And it doesn't sound like much, but in the NBA, where a half second is the difference between getting toasted and blocking a shot, well, Robert Williams got toasted. And later on in the game, he applied some of those fundamentals, and he got a stop. So he's too inconsistent. That He should be better, and he can be better. And I think with the work, he will be better. So as much as I'm on him a lot now, it's because I feel like he can be better. If I didn't think he could be, then I'd just say, this is who he is, and I'd leave it alone. But what I want is for Robert Williams to get the reps and to get the habits. And I'm repeating myself over and over again, but he needs to develop these habits. He doesn't have them now, so he's not going to be a starter. That leaves Tice and Poirier. Poirier, I think, is the biggest challenger to Tice in this battle for the starting spot. But Brad Stevens said after the game that Poirier is probably the furthest behind in what they're trying to do. So he isn't up to speed yet on the concept. When to call out for a switch. When to call out to ice a pick and roll. When to... uh, Whatever communication thing needs to happen. So if he's behind and not able to do that, even if he is maybe more skilled or maybe more capable of banging with stronger guys, it doesn't matter because if he's slow on the other stuff, then that has a cascading effect. So because of that revelation, because that it shows that uh, Poirier isn't quite ready conceptually, then it falls on Tice kind of by default. Again, Tice, and I wrote about this on MassLive.com, he does have that connection with those guys. He's got two years under Brad Stevens. He's got two years of learning the defense behind Al Horford, behind Aaron Baines. He's seen it. So he is more advanced on what the Celtics are trying to do, what Brad Stevens wants to do, how they want that defense to be executed. So Tice wins the role. And also Brad Stevens said at the same time that Poirier could be a guy that starts some games and then gets a DMP. So it's not set in stone that Tice is going to start every game. In fact, the the first game of the season is against a, a team that Tice probably shouldn't play against or not play much. So we're going to see exactly how tough that matchup against Joel Embiid and the Sixers is going to be. Uh, That presents an interesting and unique challenge right off the bat for the Celtics. And so that might challenge everything that Brad Stevens has been saying. But as far as the beginning of the season goes, it sure does look like Daniel Tice is going to be the guy. I will also acknowledge that many of you are sitting here saying, well, that's not good. Well, no, it's not great. It's not. Uh, I'm not sitting there saying like because Tice has won this starting role that he's some great center. He's not. He's he's okay. If the, the Celtics have been pretty decent with him defensively. Can How good can he be defensively? 
Okay, that's the that's the big thing. If he can help the Celtics stay connected and all of the other four guys play a good connected defense. That that connected word means a lot. I say it a lot. Brad says it a lot because defense is reliant on communication. Okay? It's it's five guys especially at the NBA level. There's so many complicated things happening. Rotations, recoveries, force a guy this way one way, one time down the floor, force him a different way down the floor uh, when it's a different guy in a pick and roll. you got to understand situations, and all five guys have to be working in unison. And if you see really good defense being played, you start to watch. You, you can watch a play ten times and see ten different things of how these guys call out and coordinate with each other, went to switch, went to fight through, over the top, underneath, a pick, all of those things. If if one one guy, if one guy is out of place, the whole thing goes to shit. So even if Daniel Tice, even if you say he's not as good as Poirier or whomever, the fact that he is able to get guys on the same page and be on the same page with everybody, that might be more important than his actual level of basketball ability. You know what I mean? They're going to score no matter what. Like He's going to set a decent pick. He's going to roll. He can go up and catch a lob. He can pop out to three. He's a threat. Okay, He's not Al Horford. No one's going to pretend that he is. But... That threat, that ability is is going to work with the guys on the team, the guys that he has out there, because those guys are going to be the scorers. Tatum, Brown, Hayward, Kemba, those guys can do all the scoring. You don't need much from Tice. You need a guy who can set picks, roll hard, catch a lob if, if the defense is kind of asleep and he can do it. Pop out, he can go and hit a three so he can space. It's that's the role. That's what the Celtics need. And he's gonna he's gonna be the one to do it. He'll get torched by bigger, stronger guys. Andre Drummond's gonna eat him up. Joel Embiid's gonna eat him up. The good news is that there are not a lot of guys like that in the league. And either the Celtics just deal with it. And we'll see. Are they going to double Embiid? How are they going to do it? Or how how do they plan to to counter that weakness? That's going to be interesting. But if they need to play somebody else or do something different, then they'll have to try it or or lose those games. Uh, like the Celtics aren't going to be a sixty five win team, so. We're sitting there talking about them being a 49-win team. That means they're going to lose a fair amount of games. And the games against those stronger centers, maybe those are games they're just going to lose. Until Danny Ainge makes a deal or something. Or who knows? Maybe somebody surprises us. I don't know. But there's obvious weaknesses here. But for now, Daniel Tice is the guy. And we'll see how it goes. Okay, you're probably wondering about the whole taco fall thing. Probably wondering what this ball means. Well, I'm going to tell you. It's going to happen right after the break here in the Locked On Celtics podcast.
Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. The biggest news on Sunday was Max Struess getting upgraded from a two-way contract to a standard NBA contract. The biggest news there is that it's a two-year contract, but it's partially guaranteed for half of the rookie minimum, about $450,000 or so. So that's a little bit more than what they owe him if they were to pay him for the full year on the two-way deal. At the same time, they gave the now open two-way spot to Taco Fall. So Taco Fall is going to be a Celtic. He's going to play for the Boston Celtics this season, but because of it being a two-way deal, he can only play 45 Well, he can only be with the Celtics officially 45 days out of this for the season. That counts as a practice day, all that stuff. So if he's with the Celtics, that counts. And that's a 45 day max. So he'll be, he'll be with the main red claws. Congratulations, Portland. All of you people within driving distance of Portland, Maine, go down there, see taco fall uh, you're going to have a lot of fun. I bet you that place is going to be packed. It's going to be a fun year for the Red Claws. A lot of, a lot of these guys that playing uh, p- pretty well for the Celtics in the preseason, they're going to be playing for the Red Claws. So that's, that's going to be fun. Okay, so the taco thing is done as far as I'm concerned. He's a Celtic. He's on a two-way deal. Done. But a lot of people are wondering about Javante Green. Because he's out there, he hasn't missed a shot because he's dunking everything this preseason. What does this mean for him? I've gotten questions, popular question. One of the most popular questions on the voicemail line is, can you cut Brad Wanamaker? Can you cut Shemi Ojolet? Here's our situation here. So Max Struess is the 15th roster spot as of now. So they don't have any spots open. Tremont Waters is the other two-way guy. If they want to bring on somebody else, like Javante Green, they're going to have to cut somebody. Can they cut Wanamaker? Sure. But they're going to have to eat his contract. Can they cut Ojale? Sure. Same thing, they're going to have to eat his contract. One thing to keep in mind when it comes to that, and it may not matter so much right now, but the Celtics sign and trade for Kemba Walker. Remember that they they could have signed him, but they ended up doing a sign and trade for uh, Terry Rozier. That hard caps the Boston Celtics. It's at the apron. It's what's called the apron. And I, I, off the top of my head, I want to say it's a hundred and seventy something million. And the Celtics aren't close to that. However, you know, you start eating contracts here and there, and you never know how hamstrung you're going to be when it comes to cap space, because that is a hard cap. You can't exceed that no matter what. There's no exception. It's not like the regular salary cap where there's a, you know, tax exemptions and this mid-level exception and all this other crap. Like you, you just, that stuff doesn't exist to get you past the hard cap. That's it. You can't pass that no matter what. So the Celtics probably don't want to have dead money on their roster if they don't have to. They also 
not really deep on ball handlers. They brought back Wanamaker for a reason. Ojale, uh, he's had a, a rough preseason. Okay? That's no denying that. He's had a rough preseason. I don't know that they're going to cut bait on him. They might. They might. Um, if they really, really believe in Grant Williams, they might. I found it interesting that Grant Williams didn't play really in the first half of the Cavaliers game, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. So if the Celtics believe that Grant Williams is just going to take Shemi Ojale's minutes and they don't need Shemi Ojale at all, then maybe, but I doubt that. What I think is most likely going to happen is that Struess contract is a make good and that they're going to cut him anyway. That's my opinion. I don't know. They might just like him and maybe they'll just keep him and this is just how it's going to be. And see a Javante Green, you cut you cut Javante Green and then you assign him to the G League and he goes to Portland and, and plays for the main Red Claws. That's certainly a possibility there. They might though, and what I... I'm going to guess is going to happen is that they, they could cut Struess no matter what they've guaranteed him the $450,000 or so. And that's like the make good. Okay. They, they signed him to the two way deal early. They didn't realize what taco fall was going to be, that he was going to be this sensation. They probably thought that he was going to come around and suck a little bit, but they're, they're going to cut him and, and just stick him in the G league anyway and let him get a get a better look at him there and that there was going to be no fascination with him. The fascination thing, it blew up. I'm sure there are plenty of NBA teams, not plenty, but enough of NBA teams out there that are willing to give Taco Fall a, a look, a, an opportunity to cash in on this, you know, fanaticism about him. So Celtics kind of, I think, got stuck. So... You have this guy in Struess that is clearly capable of shooting the lights out, but you don't, I don't know how they feel about him otherwise. You can cut him, it probably doesn't matter much. But since we're at the, this point here, it's the middle of October. He hasn't had a chance to work out for any other teams. If they didn't give him that contract when they did, maybe he could have hooked on with another team. Who knows what? So if they just cut him now, and you can cut a two-way guy whenever. Like, th- that has no impact. You just take it away. You're just like, you're done. You're cut. Bye. But there's no guaranteed money there. There's nothing. So if they cut him out of nowhere because all of a sudden Javante Green was a, became more intriguing and Taco Fall became more intriguing, kind of screwing him over. So you give him the money that he was already counting on by giving him this partially guaranteed contract you cut him, you can still assign Struess to the G League. That that can still happen. So he can stick around as part of the organization. And then you give him a chance next year. You at least give him a chance to go hook on somewhere else. Uh, maybe play overseas for a year or whatever. Or however it works out for him. At least he doesn't get screwed over money-wise. And that helps out with him. It helps out you know, not pissing off his agency 
that has value in the NBA where agents, if you know, if you keep screwing clients over, then they're just not going to want to do business with you. So this kind of make good, uh, is something that I think it's kind of all a precursor to the potential for Struess being cut. And he said it, he basically kind of admitted, like, if you're a, a two way guy and you're thinking like, wow, I, I was two way. And now I get the, the, the guaranteed contract, or at least a partially guaranteed contract. I get upgraded to a standard contract. Like that's a big deal to me. If it was me, I'd be celebrating, but Struess in the locker room afterwards was like, yeah, no, nothing's definite. Um, I'm still not guaranteed anything. Uh, I, I forget the exact quotes, but like he said flat out afterwards that he understands that his spot still isn't guaranteed. So I think he's been made aware of the possibilities. And so we just need to let this kind of play out not 100% sure how this is going to go, but just by him being signed like this, it doesn't mean that he's guaranteed to be a Celtic all season. He might be, but it's also very possible that by the time you listen to this podcast, he's cut already, and who knows what. It's complicated. That's the deal. Uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. That's also the podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, hopefully my voice didn't sound too bad. But uh, thanks for subscribing. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the five-star reviews. Thanks for the good written reviews. Those all help us tremendously. So does sharing the podcast when people ask you what they should be listening to. You tell them the Locked On Celtics podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.